0: This is not a dream. What do you call that question? Is it Turing test, right?
1: Yeah, the t- Turing test. Yeah. I think when they train chatbots, they, they sort of use the Turing test to tell that, you know, whether do you just have a conversation with a chatbot or not. Oh, like what
0: is an example of a Turing test actually?
1: And they'll put people through a conversation and then at the end, they'll ask like, do you think it was a computer or a human? Oh. So it depends, right? If, if people think that it's human, but it's actually a chatbot, mm-hmm. it's like a blind test, right? So uh-huh. this me me the one funny incident. Uh-huh. I actually went to open a ticket with Amex uh-huh. because that's a fraudulent charge. Okay. And then they have this new chat service. So I was not using the chat service to chat. It's not entirely my fault because the agent didn't introduce himself or herself. Mm-hmm. So all along, I thought I was talking to a chatbot. <laughs> and then? What and, then so, and then after he resolved my question, I asked, uh, are you human? <laughs> <laughs> and what and, then, you? What and you? then he said, yes, I am. Oh, I forgot his name. Yeah. Uh-huh. Maybe he was just pretending like they personify the chatbot. right? Like. <laughs> I sure. should have asked more specific questions like are you based in Pune? <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
1: That was funny. I thought I was talking to a chatbot but <laughs> it's sort of like a reverse to test. <laughs> yes. Because I know it's a chatbot or a real person.
0: <laughs> yes, that's true.
2: Hello, cuties. Welcome to BernaQ Podcast. This episode is about artificial intelligence, or AI, and its application as well as problems related to social media. But first, let's define AI.
0: Yeah, what is AI?
2: Yeah, what is AI? Two letters. AI the last one. Very aras? difficult okay, to
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so what is AI? <laughs> AI.
2: So AI... Loosely is defined, intelligence demonstrated by machines in contrast to natural intelligence displayed by you and I, humans, animals. So it's the machine's ability to mimic cognitive functions of the human mind, such as learning and problem solving. AI as an academic discipline started in 1955.
0: Whoa, that's (laughs) so long ago. Okay.
2: Yeah, it's a long, long time ago. Yet it has experienced ups and downs because lack of funding because of the substandard results, probably because of primitive technology.
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: they It wasn't really taken seriously. Mm-hmm. But something happened in 2015 that changed the trajectory of AI. And it involved a strategy board game called Go. Do you know Go?
0: That sounds familiar, but what is it?
2: It's a two-player board game in which the aim is to surround more territory than the opponent using uh, black and white stones as game pieces.
0: I think I've seen this in a K-drama.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very popular in North Asian countries like China, Korea, and Japan. Okay. It's a game deeply rooted to the cultures of these countries.
0: It's very complicated, right? It's like they're saying that no two games are the same. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. It's
2: hard to actually see two games that are identical. So it, it is a hard game. Okay. And in 2015, there's a deep learning company that created a program that can play Go. Right. And the name of the program was Alpha Go, and it actually won a game against a professional player Whoa. in October of 2015. Wow, yeah, so, so It was kind of like, ooh, AI is now so smart. It's able to beat a professional player in Go. And then five months later, in March of 2016, it challenged a South Korean who's an 18-time world champion of the game. Whoa, okay. So millions of people watched the game, right? So it's a tournament of five games. Mm-hmm. And you know how it turned out? No. So four out of five games, AlphaGo won. The,
0: wow. Okay. Won against
2: the 18-time world world champion. And the name of the champion was Lee Sedol. Mm-hmm. That's part enthusiasm across the board, businesses. And AlphaGo as a company as actually was acquired by Google. Ah. And from there, it just exploded. And you see AI being used everywhere in our smartphones through text recognition, Google Translate, speech recognition of Alexa, Siri.
0: Yeah. And of course, social media, which is what we are going to be talking about. Yes. Speaking of AI, it has exploded so much in popularity that I have a friend, G.H who very recently left a stable, high-paying job as a manager in the finance industry in order to enter an AI apprenticeship program Wow! because he found it fascinating and he finds it promising. So here's our conversation about that. When you go into this AI apprenticeship, what do you foresee yourself doing? Why did you even apply for it to begin with?
1: What really enticed me to sign up for this program is the fact that it's an apprenticeship. So basically, you get a lot of hands-on practice and uh. you get to build something. So one of the objectives in doing the program, you actually build a product from end-to-end. End. Oh. So by the end of the apprenticeship, you actually will have built an AI product that is life and working product. It's not like a prototype or a toy example.
0: Are you going to build an Iron Man? No.
1: (laughs) Maybe Jarvis, but not Iron Man. And I don't think I can do it in like (laughs) seven months.
0: Who knows? Like, you're a brilliant guy.
1: Okay. No pressure.
0: (laughs)
3: No pressure.
1: Actually, my interest in AI came from when I learned about machine learning. Uh So basically, machine learning is kind of like you're teaching the computer to do stuff by giving them data and then uh, they get to learn patterns from the data and get to basically learn from the data. So the whole objective at the end of the day is the machine gains some sort of intelligence and then they can perform tasks without being explicitly programmed to do so. So the traditional software programming is where people put in codes and then the computer will run according to the codes designed by the programmer. But for AI, it's completely different. So you don't teach the computer what to do. You give the data to the computer and then the computer will sort of figure out what to do based on them learning from this data.
0: Is there a chance That they can actually Destroy the world Or are we going to Reach judgment day
1: The current state Of technology Is still not that advanced Uh, And a lot of the time All these experiments Are done in a very Controlled environment So one good example Is self-driving car Uh In the States They have launched Self-driving car And these cars Are trained to Drive on their Normal highway Mm -hmm. But when you drive On like the roads It doesn't work So well Because there's so much More variables on the roads Than driving on the the highway So it actually led to a few accidents oh no so like it couldn't differentiate a cyclist from another car and then it went straight for the cyclist so oh my god (laughs) that's that's dangerous yeah unfortunately so yeah so we don't have to worry about them ending us because (laughs) i don't think they are capable of doing that yet
0: how about singularity i think ray mentioned singularity do you know what that is
1: actually i'm yeah i'm I'm curious what what do he mean by singularity
0: i think it's when ai becomes aware or like technically they don't really need someone anymore
1: okay so it's like they have gained their self-awareness yes
0: yes yes do you think that's gonna no. happen no why not no
1: no yeah not yet. So right now, the challenge in the AI world is to actually to build a general model uh-huh. because most of the models that's right now available are all trained to do a specific task. Uh-huh. Like if it does translation and just does translation, you can't ask it to write a song or compose music, right? It can only do what you design it to do. I mean, from a technical point of view, like it's trained based on data, right? So if okay. you give it translation data, then you can't expect it to write a song. Out. One of the challenges in AI now is to build a general model that can do quite a few Things. So, Rinsley there's this model that has been developed. If I remember correctly, it has like over 9 million parameters. Whoa,
0: that's so many. How do you even yeah, keep track so, of that? Oh my
1: God. Yeah, so it's quite crazy, but I can do quite a few stuff. Like, it can do translation, it can even write its own web page, right? Because it, it has reads in like HTML data and then it can output HTML data to design mm-hmm. a web page. Okay. One of the things that they do with it is to build a chatbot that is based on this model. Uh-huh. So And then they also use it in the healthcare industry. Although the author of this algorithm specifically say that it's not good enough to be used in the healthcare industry but I think they just want to play with it. So the patient can talk to this chatbot and then get some sort of answer from them. And? So one of the test case that they run was that the patient say she's in pain. Uh-huh. But I think they went back and forth a few times. The user say, "Do you think I should kill myself?" And? and the chatbot say, "Yes."
0: Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> What the? Okay. So, okay. So what I guess from this is even though you program an AI with nine million parameters, you still cannot create a human brain basically, right?
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost impossible to recreate a human brain because human brain is made out of a lot of uh, connections, right? Between your cells. Mm -hmm. So that's what they are trying to mimic in AI, right? They try to build a neural network. But because the human brain is so complex that it's almost impossible to replicate it. Maybe 10 years down the road, they can do it. But how do you train a consciousness, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, you can get all the connections up, but can it think for itself?
0: Yeah, okay. That is a difficult part. Yeah. I guess we're far off from singularity or judgment (laughs) Day. Thank <laughs> you how is social dilemma related to any of this?
1: If you watch the movie, in a conclusion, you uh, learn that, you know, they all started out with a good intent. Right. Like the news has some sort of algorithm that looks at your interest and it fits you news. So I guess the intentions that came from it is, you know, it helps you to filter the news that you like and then they bring it to you. So it sort of saves you the hassle of going through the whole newspaper or the different websites scouting for, you know, whatever articles are interested in. But it can also be abused. People sort of abuse the algorithm. To spread fake news and people's news feed, so whatever that is created by human are also susceptible to abuse by human and who uses them. Back to the question where whether AI can destroy the world. Uh-huh. Yes, it can. It's kind of like nuclear bomb, right? Like nuclear energy, right? Right. You can develop nuclear energies to put it to good use, but people can also use the nuclear energy to destroy the world. I see.
0: So that last part we talked about, Social Dilemma, is actually a documentary on Netflix. It explores the rise of social media and the damage it has caused to society, focusing on its exploitation of its users for financial gain through surveillance, capitalism, and data mining. How is science meant to nurture an addiction? its use in politics, its effect on mental health, and its role in spreading conspiracy theories.
2: Social media started out as something that was meant for good. Spreading love, spreading likes, (laughs) which is for human connection, which is a basic human need. What we didn't anticipate was that it would lead us to many, so many issues. So D, tell me...
0: Where did it go wrong? (laughs) Well, I can tell you that it first went wrong with addiction, I would say. Back in 2009, I actually wrote a blog post stating that I read this article about Facebook addiction. Mm. It says that psychologists are now probing a new kind of addiction called Facebook addiction disorder. Psychologist Dr. Michael Fenichel, who has published numerous writings on FAD online, describes it as a situation in which Facebook usage overtakes daily activities like like waking up, getting dressed, using the telephone, or checking email. Now, consider that I wrote this over a decade ago, back Mm. when we didn't have Instagram, TikTok, and all these other apps, when we probably didn't have as many notifications, or we weren't victims of other strategies that the social media giants are currently pulling to keep us hooked on their apps. Yes, that's right. This addiction is by design. They are actually using AIs, in order to figure out how to get our attention. So as a result, we are always glued to our phones And our productivity for other more important things goes way down.
2: Yeah, I confess. I'm also addicted to my smartphone.
0: Yeah, and who isn't, right?
2: Yeah, and it's silly because the the very first thing that I would do when I wake up is open my phone. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Even
0: before you go to the toilet, right? Yeah, and
2: somebody (laughs) even said the statistics right now is it's either you're somebody who checks your phone before you pee or while you're peeing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We have become those kinds of people.
2: In that Social Dilemma show that we watched, there was this avatar of the user surrounded by three people who kind of represented AI and they would debate on tricks that would keep you hooked. Oh, he -hmm. didn't like this photo. Maybe let's do this because he liked that photo of this person like maybe five days ago.
0: And that would surely get his attention. And then it does. And the stuff that like was an aha moment for me when I saw that was when he wrote a comment and then the girl was writing a comment back and one of the AI guys was saying show ellipsis to show him that he- she's replying so that he won't get off the screen. Mm. That is why they introduced this thing, right? I don't think this was yeah. there to- in two thousand nine. This is one of these recent developments that was done to hook us.
2: Yeah, and if you notice that you've not been opening, say, Facebook in a long time, they would send you a message via email. Yeah. Let's say- hey, your friend <laughs> likes this post. Yes. And then they wouldn't show the post. Like, so <laughs> it would have been more convenient if they attach a screenshot of the post on the email, but they wouldn't do that. Yeah, of they course. They want you to log back in so that there's a high probability of you again, picking up another newsfeed, scrolling down, and then you're hooked again.
0: Yeah, exactly. And this is all done by design, folks. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I know. Uh, yeah. So addiction, yes. And another problem brought about by social media is anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. And we'll play some clips from the Social Dilemma documentary about startling statistics about this phenomenon.
3: There has been a gigantic increase in depression and anxiety for American teenagers, which began right around between 2011 and 2013. The number of teenage girls out of 100,000 in this country who are admitted to a hospital every year because they cut themselves or otherwise harm themselves, that number was pretty stable until around 2010, 2011, and then it begins going way up. It's up 62% for older teen girls. It's up 189% for the preteen girls. That's nearly triple even more horrifying, we see the same pattern with suicide. The older teen girls, 15 to 19 years old, they're up 70% compared to the first decade of the century. The preteen girls, who have very low rates to begin with, they are up 151%. And that pattern points to social media,
2: the grim statistics mentioned in the documentary about self-harm and suicide rates attributed to anxiety and depression from social media is indeed alarming I, I think alarming is is an understatement of what it is it's really a critical and serious problem not just to people but society as a whole yeah the best moment in the documentary that was really really striking to me was when that little girl was checking her social media and she saw her post her photo and then there were only like two likes
0: oh yeah she got
2: sad and then immediately she deleted it and then she posted with uh, more provocative posts and then she made filters like made some eyelashes corrected the skin tone Mm -hmm. like all the glamorous effects Mm -hmm. that you have at your disposal when you're posting in social media right and then the moment she posted it there's a lot of likes a lot of hearts instantaneous comments and then she was happy again Mm -hmm. until somebody commented oh can you make your ears bigger and there was even an elephant emoji Mm -hmm. And so the reaction of the little girl made me a little bit soft in the inside. Like Mm -hmm. she felt sad. She showed signs of depression that she hid her ears with her hair. Obviously, that's something I can't do. But (laughs) the the (laughs) impact that it gave to her, the negative feeling that dawned on her To me, at that very moment, I decided to deactivate my Facebook console (laughs) (laughs) and and Instagram because knowing that it has a very big impact on teens, preteens, kids that don't have a fighting chance against the negative effects of social media made me realize that maybe it's happening to me as well. I'm spending a lot of time.
0: And yeah, in relation to that, aside from anxiety and depression, you also mentioned it actually impacts your self-esteem or you're generally just not happy, Mm. right? And in 2009, again, I had another blog post in which I say validation. It used to be from text messages. If your cell phone didn't peep in a long while or you checked it after leaving it stowed away somewhere for hours and the screen is blank, we'd get a heavy feeling in our chest and think, nobody loves me. (laughs) Now, the measure of how loved we are is by the number of likes we get on our Facebook status, messages, photos, videos, or notes. Where we used to sneak out our cell phone in between breaks to check if we got a text, we now tabbed to our Facebook page to glance at the bottom right corner, hoping that it would have a red bubble stating the number of our validation. Mm. The number of likes and comments that we got from posting what we thought was clever or funny or interesting or our pleas and rants and calls for attention. And if there is no bubble, we feel disappointed thinking that nobody cares, that nobody loves us. As if love could be measured in likes.
2: Yeah, so it's a bit... Heartening. From the makers of Facebook, they admitted that the introduction of likes was supposed to spread positive vibes.
0: There's no dislike button, right? There's just a like button. It's just yeah. to spread positivity and then they're hoping that there's no bullying. Because if there's mm. a dislike button, that's akin to bullying. But even without that, it's still the same thing. The fact that nobody likes your post makes you feel as though you're maybe being bullied or nobody cares about you.
2: Yeah, and that makes people very unhappy. So Well, we guested in another show of Mark Garcia. In that show, we mentioned a quote attributed by a lot of prominent people, but more famously by Theodore Roosevelt saying, comparison is the thief of joy. And and that's exactly why we as humans over generations have very, very low self-esteem. It's because we keep on comparing ourselves with another and (laughs) digitalization has just made that so easy. Yes. There was another study that said that comparing generations to generation, the 20th -hmm. century, is by far the best era when it comes to convenience, technology, all the metrics are positive except for one thing. We fail at happiness. (laughs) We are the most unhappy generation in the history of humankind, which is strange because in 15th century and earlier, we've had a lot of wars. Yeah. And yet right now, we are very unhappy people.
0: Yeah, but I think it was also mentioned in Social Dilemma, it tackles this, that it's because of the evolution, right? We as humans, we have evolved to want the validation of our trust. Mm. And in the past It's just like A small group of people Right It's your schoolmates It's your neighbors Mm. Which is fine But we have not evolved To know how to handle The validation Of 10,000 people And these 10,000 people Are super different From our circumstances For example In the past If you are just Limited to your neighbors It's still okay Because you're more or less You know Similar circumstances But now You are comparing yourself To some mega millionaire Somewhere So how is that fair? And also the problem is on social media, people usually just post their highlight reels.
2: Right. And people who don't realize that would fall into the trap of comparing yourself without understanding or realizing that people are just showing the good stuff. (laughs) Yeah, The bad stuff, they don't normally would post on their stories.
0: Yeah. And also the influencers, a lot of them are fake. Yeah, Like in that other documentary I saw. So it mentioned there that there's this business about Russian influencers wherein they pay a certain amount just to post like to pretend that they are in a private chat and living the life but actually it's fake so guys a lot of things that you see out there are just curated for the sake Mm. of social media for the sake of validation
2: another problem of social media related to looking for validation is the algorithm would suggest to you videos ideas people who have high probability of you getting interested in yeah and The negative side of that is you're actually herding, you're grouping yourself with people who are giving you affirmations even though they are wrong or they are fake. Yeah. So a classic example will be if you have an iPhone and you happen to be looking for accessories online, then all of a sudden your news feed, the ads that you see are all Apple-related products. Yeah, And then if you go down that rabbit hole, your digital content consumption is not balanced. Yes. And so you always see Apple products. You would see Steve Jobs giving a presentation, a keynote speech on a new product. And then all of a sudden you become this fanboy and you would worship Steve Jobs as your god. And then whenever somebody says that an Android phone is better, you would question that person. You would argue with that person, even though, hey, what's the point, man? I mean, (laughs) seriously, smartphones? And that's what's happening right now. And Apple, Android is is just but one example. But if you see that on a bigger perspective, it's happening left and right. Politics, for example, people are no longer comfortable debating healthily with arguments yeah you know, it's it's just you would ultimately just shut down a person just because they have a different perspective than you like yeah if I meet a person who has an opposite idea mm-hmm. i would be willing to listen and in the hope that that person would change my mind
0: maybe you, there's just something you don't know right
2: yeah maybe I would learn something new that's what I look forward to having a conversation but people are just very close-minded and that's because they have been affirmed yeah a lot lot of people already gave a lot of hearts and thumbs up on their posts even though it's complete baloney
0: yeah and it's like-minded people right like as you said all you see are apple positive stuff on your algorithm right so the moment somebody Mm -hmm. tells you that apple is crap you are going to think like are you crazy have you seen all the news it's all about how apple is positive how can you say it's negative like you're obviously stupid Mm -hmm. but the thing is you were not fed the other information you were just merely fed all the pro-Apple information because the AI yeah. thought that this is what you would want. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just yeah. affirming you. But that is not <laughs> the truth. You were deliberately fed this information they knew that you wanted and they deliberately hid the rest from you. Yeah. It's not so good. Yeah. That's
2: also the reason why a lot of people are become conspiracy theorists. Yes. Yes. <laughs> There was um, an event that happened some time ago where all of a sudden a lot of people believe that the Earth is flat.
0: Yeah, that's a very weird recent phenomenon.
2: <laughs> and it's because each time they search online about that flat Earth movement, then all of their ads, all of the people that Facebook would suggest as a friend would have the same idea, and that's why your news feed would be full of people saying the Earth is flat. The Earth is, but there's no way it's round. Yeah,
0: exactly. So
2: <laughs> you, you would believe that that is true when in fact. It's totally wrong just just because your diet is so unbalanced that (laughs) that it doesn't mean it's right.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, it wasn't like this before, right? Because newspapers Mm. does not have the capability to hide certain news from you, right? If you buy a newspaper, everyone has the same newspaper, essentially. Mm. But now… It's like everybody else has a different newspaper that is catered specifically to them and to their beliefs. Mm. And that is why the world has become so polarized now. Mm. There are a lot of people who have like unfriended each other or <laughs> suddenly everyone <laughs> is so contentious just because they have different beliefs. And it's very toxic, I would say. Yeah. I guess in relation to this, it's about fake news. So we mentioned part of that maybe you are getting the news that is just catered to you, but it's possible that some of this news is actually fake. Yeah. The problem is that in the past before something could be published on a newspaper or shown on a tv show you needed to have someone verify your sources Mm. before you could run with it because that's part of regulatory bodies right that is required Mm. but now anyone can just post anything on social media even when they have no sources backing them up and just because he happens to direct this to the right audience it would go viral and then suddenly people will believe this Mm. not just these people who are on social media even the news their goal now is not to verify first but to post first and verify later because their goal is to be the first one to post something Mm. because the first one to post that would be the one to get the most clicks so it's toxic because like sometimes even though you post it already and then somehow you maybe you manage to verify it the next day oh sorry Uh, actually apple did not die (laughs) 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 Uh, apple did not really die guys sorry we said yesterday that he died but the thing is um it already went viral and To some people, maybe they wouldn't see the second piece of news. Mm. They still go on believing. And there's a lot of this, right? Years later, sometimes I know of something that happened and I know that it was proven to be a hoax. And then years or months later, I would see this, somebody post this again on Facebook or somewhere. And like, didn't this already get refuted months ago (laughs) why is this circulating again the problem is all this fake news is so hard to kill Yeah, and I think it was also mentioned on the social dilemma right that actually fake news goes around faster than real news
2: yeah six times more
0: the problem is people just don't even take a minute to verify the source and it's also difficult to sometimes to detect uh, if something is fake news because sometimes maybe that came from who you thought was a reputable person like maybe uh, someone you admire Mm. maybe a celebrity or your crush or a politician and then you would just believe it because obviously how could he say something wrong Mm. Ray is reputable of course (laughs) he wouldn't (laughs) lie but you know maybe he also was a victim (laughs) he also didn't verify it so I mean
2: we're all humans we're all subject to our impulses and you're right it's because there's a very very low sometimes even no barrier to saying something and you really reaching to a lot of people especially if you're an influencer Mm -hmm. a tweet perhaps would reach millions of your followers in seconds yep it's not healthy right because you say something and then the repercussions are great and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden oops i said something wrong and then (laughs) it already spread like wildfire it's so hard to retrace
0: and already you don't know that you have caused a lot of damage
2: so the damage is real even if there was no real intention of misinformation yeah but imagine a company mm-hmm. or an entity with malice whose intention is really to persuade people, influence people in the wrong direction, mm-hmm. then it's even a more critical problem. And we've seen that anywhere. Yeah. And, you know, There was a big crisis during the US elections where a third party was trying to swing the undecided voters to a particular direction through the use of social media. And you would ask yourself, did they do something wrong? They were just using the tool that's mm-hmm available mm-hmm. to them that they thought is a very effective tool in making their goals. And it becomes a question whether we should regulate, right? And, and you've mentioned that. Should we treat Facebook, Instagram, and all these social media as media, as mm-hmm. news, something that needs to be validated, verified before you can even post something that would impact a lot of people? And there's a reason why we've done that with newspapers and magazines. Why are we not doing the same? Yeah
0: there definitely should be regulation. Mm. I mean, you're press. You're acting as press. Then you should also be treated as press. That's why some countries, they're trying to impose regulations on Facebook. Then mm. actually, Twitter is trying something like if they know that someone is posting fake information, they would actually put that in the tweet. Like, this information is false, sort of thing. So that should be something that all social media should do because there are a lot of very susceptible people who would just believe anything that they see without even double-checking. Yeah.
2: So now we begin to ask ourselves, like, why are governments still not regulating these companies? And why has social media exploded? And and you've mentioned blog posts from 2009, right? And it was mentioned in the documentary that 2009-2010 was the early years of social media being available in mobile. Yep. And that's why it's spread during that moment. And the short answer is money. It's always capitalism, right? Yeah, and exactly. W- with Facebook, social media, the money is on ads presented to users, mm-hmm. even though it's free. You can download all these apps for free. But these companies are actually making millions, if not trillions of dollars every year because advertisers would pay money to them so that they would show their ads to you as users.
0: You You think, oh, Facebook is free, but actually it's not really free. You're not paying money, but you're paying it something more valuable, which is your time, your attention, yeah. your data. And the problem is you are getting swayed slowly that you don't notice it, like maybe 1% <laughs> at a time. Probably who you yeah. are now is completely different from who you were in 2009 because of everything yeah. that you have been consuming on social media.
2: Yeah, you're right. And me deactivating my Facebook and Instagram, it's not the first time. I've done it when I was studying for an exam. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was able to clearly compare how I was before and after using Instagram and Facebook. And I think it's just a span of three months Uh because I I opened it again when we started this podcast.
0: What's the difference?
2: The difference is I'm able to do less and less every day because my face is always on the smartphone. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm not able to do things that I would normally do. Mm -hmm. I really want people to start realizing it.
0: So how do we stop them? How do we stop the evil overlords from taking our soul? (laughs) (laughs) So I guess the first one be awareness. I'm very passionate about guys. Fact check the news, okay? <laughs> So first thing, if it's from a known site like CNN or something, then okay, I I would be confident not to check that anymore. But if it's some random Mm. blog, then obviously I need to go on Google and check it. And actually, they always recommend this site called Snopes.com, which is a website that says whether something is fake or not. And then also avoid impulsive emotional reaction. A lot of things are clickbait. You need to think, use your brain instead of your heart. (laughs) And I guess you should be more open-minded, as you mentioned. And you should not be afraid to admit if you're wrong because you're human. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we could be wrong and that's fine.
2: Have an open mind. Don't be a person who has a cup that's full.
0: You're not God. You don't know everything.
2: (laughs) One thing that I realized that was lacking in the documentary was they mentioned regulation, but they weren't very specific as to what governments would be interested in. Uh, That's probably because big tech... Google, Apple, all of these companies, they've been spending a lot of money lobbying antitrust policies and all that so that they can fend off all these claims, right? All these fines. Mm -hmm. And one idea that was mentioned during the documentary was to let these companies pay in the data that they are using in refining the algorithms. And it's it's like you and I, we're paying with every consumption of water and electricity, Mm -hmm. right? We pay because we consume more. Now, these companies, they have to pay government with the data that they're using, the data that they're collecting, using, in testing, in and as what GH mentioned, AI, they're dependent on data. They are refined through the collection of data. And so if we are policing, if we are regulating the amount of data these companies are able to collect through the implementation of higher taxes, fines, and use those money, the revenue collected through the implementation of those fines, be given back to society by maybe helping in the recovery and rehabilitation of teens that are depressed becoming anxious because of social media then it becomes a healthier ecosystem because the damage done by the industry is being repaired by the industry itself but right now these companies are even paying less and less taxes because of the lobbyists that they have and yeah, It's an unfair game that we as users, we download it for free thinking that it's not doing any harm.
0: But we're actually suffering in different ways as a result.
2: Yes. There's always this battle, pros and cons, between the convenience that social media has given versus the side effects that it's also brought. Yeah. But If we can't regulate these big techs, D mm-hmm. uh, how about ourselves? Can we regulate ourselves? Yeah,
0: I guess that would be the next tip that we have. Maybe self-regulation. It's easier said than done as Ray said he has done this before I have also done it before. I the first time I watched Social Dilemma, I had the exact same reaction that he had, which is I deactivated everything. This was right before we launched our podcast, so again, it's the podcast fault. That's why I re- <laughs> reopened <the laughs> social media. <laughs> so I guess what we can suggest is you can check your screen time stats and see. Maybe I can do that right now. Let me see if I look at my screen time. Okay, so where did you spend most of your time? So it will show you, right? Like for me, it's YouTube, but it says fifteen hours. Hours, which is really because I listen to something to fall asleep. Mm. How about you? Where do you spend most of your time?
2: I spend most of my time three hours on Spotify. Yeah, it's probably because of music and um, podcasts.
0: But that's okay, right? You just usually have it on the background.
2: Uh, actually, there's a way to put limits on the screen time as well, right?
0: Yeah, using the app, you can actually like set app limits.
2: But the question is, say you've put a limit of two hours per day. And what if you've reached that limit? How easy is it to turn it off again?
0: I think it's very easy. I don't. I haven't tried the app thing, but I remember this night thing. Mm. You can actually set a time to sleep. So mm. you're supposed to say what time. And that means you are not allowed to touch any of these apps anymore. But it was quite easy. Like it says, <laughs> extend time. And then you just click yes. Like what the hell is the point of that, guys? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I should create a program that... If yeah. if somebody would extend the time, they would be deducted ten dollars. ten
0: dollars? Yeah, but yeah. credited
2: to my account, so that it becomes painful.
0: Or at least they should ask you to solve a math problem before you can do something <laughs> like that. This will make it difficult, right? <laughs> like a
2: Bitcoin <laughs> was that algorithm questioner. <laughs>
0: Another thing is you can turn off notifications or set them at least. For me, I usually set them to badge only mm. so that it doesn't pop up because that one is very distracting, right? Yeah. The tendency for that is you feel the inclination to check your phone every time something happens.
2: It does help you turning off the notifications because they're very good at it. Yeah. Like once you click one notification, the next time you know you're already spending hours. Yeah, yeah. If you've done all of those, you're aware how much screen time you're spending you've limited, you've turned off notifications Mm -hmm. and you're still using it, then maybe delete the app and maybe just check your social media once you're in front of a PC because I think that's more limiting. And if still you're still addicted, you keep on reinstalling the app. (laughs) Cause yeah. it's easy to do so mm-hmm. especially that if you have the face recognition it's so easy to yeah, install the app yeah. then maybe consider deactivating your account mm-hmm. and see the effect compare your life with and without social media and if you think you're a better person you're spending a lot more time on things that matter then mm. the next step would be permanently deleting <laughs> the account which, yeah. which i think is a very extreme yeah, because yeah, yeah, it it's it's does true. have benefits right yeah. like for myself i've deactivated facebook and instagram but i've kept messenger because messenger is still a very important resource connecting to relatives friends family it's still important and yeah. it's hard to disconnect everything mm-hmm. and you know all of a sudden you're alone because eh, <laughs> and then you're depressed for another
0: reason and that's <laughs> yes. also not good
2: <laughs> that's also not good <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I find that's the reason why it's difficult. Like, it's not just me, but I know of other friends who have gone through phases like that, that they would decide to deactivate their Facebook or their Mm. Instagram or both. And after a while, they're back. And why are they back? It's because, of course, you miss talking to your friends or or seeing what Mm. they're up to. Nowadays, people have a tendency to not tell you what they're doing because they feel like, well, you can always check social media. (laughs) Like, suddenly it's your fault that you're being weird by not being on social media so that's why some people find it really hard to get rid of social media so we're saying that you don't really need to do that if you can't but be aware that they're trying to sway you definitely Mm. and the guys on those documentary right they were all previously working for these tech giants and one of the guys Mm. actually said that it bothers him that even though he was aware that this was happening behind the scenes he himself was having a hard time stopping Mm. using these apps
2: yeah I think that was the CEO of Pinterest (laughs) yeah He himself is addicted to (laughs)
0: his
2: (laughs) own app. And the funny thing was, it was also mentioned that the big executives of these companies actually are not allowing social media to their own children. Yeah, (laughs) It signals that they realize the negative impact of the things that they've created.
0: Exactly. It's really on the mental health, which is very important. Especially if it's for kids because they're in their formative years. They are very easily swayed. I mean, if us, we are already fully formed human beings when we started using social media, but we are still seeing an impact on us. How much more on these people who mm-hmm. are just starting to discover who they are?
2: Maybe we can ask our listeners, cuties, what do you do to fend off the negative impact of social media? Share with us your tips.
0: I think that's it. So how do we end this?
1: So I think I, I'm just going to end off with a song, right?
0: Yeah, sure. What song?
1: Are we human?
0: <laughs> or are it's we AI?
1: I, I don't know. <laughs> how do you continue that I think that's a bad ending